Chapter 43 of Can You Forgive Her? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Rohde. Can You Forgive Her? by Anthony Trollope. Chapter 43 Mrs. Marsham. But Lady Glencora was not brought to repentance by her husband's last words. It seemed to her to be so intolerably cruel, this demand of his, that she should be made to pass the whole of her first evening in town with an old woman for whom it was impossible that she should entertain the slightest regard, that she resolved upon rebellion. Had he positively ordered Mrs. Marsham, she would have sent for that lady and have contented herself with enduring her presence in disdainful silence but mr palliser had not given any order he had made a request and a request from its very nature admits of no obedience the compliance with a request must be voluntary and she would not send for mrs marsham except upon compulsion had not she also made a request to him and had not he refused it it was his prerogative undoubtedly to command but in that matter of requests she had a right to expect that her voice should be as potent as his own she wrote a line therefore to alice before she went to bed begging her cousin to come to her early on the following day so that they might go out together and then afterwards dine in company with mr bott i know that will be an inducement to you lady glencora said because your generous heart will feel of what service you may be to me nobody else will be here unless indeed mrs marsham should be asked unknown to myself then she sat herself down to think to think especially about the cruelty of husbands she had been told over and over again in the days before her marriage that Burgo would ill-use her if he became her husband. The Marquis of Old Rickie had gone so far as to suggest that Burgo might probably beat her. But what hard treatment, even what beating, could be so unendurable as this total want of sympathy, as this deadness in life which her present lot entailed upon her? As for that matter of beating, she ridiculed the idea in her very soul she sat smiling at the absurdity of the thing as she thought of the beauty of burgo's eyes of the softness of his touch of the loving almost worshipping tones of his voice would it not even be better to be beaten by him than to have politics explained to her at one o'clock at night by such a husband as plantagenet palliser the british constitution indeed had she married Burgo, they would have been in sunny Italy, and he would have told her some other tale than that as they sat together under the pale moonlight. She had a little watercolor drawing called Raphael and Fornarina, and she was infantine enough to tell herself that the so-called Raphael was like her Burgo. No, not her Burgo, but the Burgo that was not hers. At any rate, all the romance of the picture she might have enjoyed had they allowed her to dispose as she wished of her own hand she might have sat in marble balconies 
while the vines clustered over her head and he would have been at her knee hardly speaking to her but making his presence felt by the halo of its divinity he would have called upon her for no hard replies with him near her she would have enjoyed the soft air and would have sat happy without trouble lapped in the delight of loving it was thus that fornarina sat and why should not such a lot have been hers her raphael would have loved her let them say what they would about his cruelty poor wretched overburdened child to whom the commonest lessons of life had not yet been taught and who had now fallen into the hands of one who was so ill-fitted to teach them who would not pity her who could say that the fault was hers the world had laden her with wealth till she had had no limb free for its ordinary uses and then had turned her loose to run her race have you written to your cousin her husband asked her the next morning his voice as he spoke clearly showed that his anger was either over or suppressed yes i have asked her to come and drive and then to stay for dinner i shall send the carriage for her if she can come the man is to wait for an answer very well said mr palliser mildly and then after a short pause he added as that is settled perhaps you would have no objection to ask mrs marsham also won't she probably be engaged no i think not said mr palliser and then he added being ashamed of the tinge of falsehood of which he would otherwise have been guilty i know she is not engaged she expects to come then said lady glencora i have not asked her if you mean that glencora had i done so i should have said so i told her that i did not know what your engagements were i will write to her if you please said the wife who felt that she could hardly refuse any longer do my dear said the husband so lady glencora did write to mrs marsham who promised to come as did also alice vavasor lady glencora would at any rate have alice to herself for some hours before dinner at first she took comfort in that reflection but after a while she bethought herself that she would not know what to tell alice or what not to tell did she mean to show that letter to her cousin if she did show it then so she argued with herself she must bring herself to endure the wretchedness of her present lot and must give up for ever all her dreams about raphael and fornarina if she did not show it or at any rate tell of it then it would come to pass that she would leave her husband under the protection of another man and she would become what she did not dare to name even to herself she declared that so it must be she knew that she would go with virgo should he ever come to her with the means of going at his and her instant command but should she bring herself to let alice know that such a letter had been conveyed to her virgo would never have such power i remember the story of a case of abduction in which a man was tried for his life and was acquitted because the lady had acquiesced in the carrying away while it was in progress she had as she herself declared armed herself with a sure and certain charm or talisman against such dangers 
which she kept suspended round her neck but while she was in the post-chaise she opened the window and threw the charm from her no longer desiring as the learned counsel for the defence efficiently alleged to be kept under the bonds of such protection lady glengora's state of mind was in its nature nearly the same as that of the lady in the post-chaise whether or no she would use her charm she had not yet decided but the power of doing so was still hers alice came and the greeting between the cousins was very affectionate lady glencora received her as though they had been playmates from early childhood and alice though such impulsive love was not natural to her as to the other could not bring herself to be cold to one who was so warm to her indeed had she not promised her love in that meeting at matching priory in which her cousin had told her of all her wretchedness i will love you alice had said and though there was much in lady glencora that she could not approve much even that she could not bring herself to like still she would not allow her heart to contradict her words they sat so long over the fire in the drawing-room that at last they agreed that the driving should be abandoned what's the use of it said lady glencora there's nothing to see and the wind is as cold as charity we are much more comfortable here are we not alice quite acquiesced in this having no great desire to be driven through the parks in the gloom of a february afternoon if i had dandy and flirt up here there would be some fun in it but mr palliser doesn't wish me to drive in london i suppose it would be dangerous not in the least i don't think it's that he minds but he has an idea that it looks fast so it does if i were a man i'm sure i shouldn't like my wife to drive horses about london and why not just because you'd be a tyrant like other husbands what's the harm of looking fast if one doesn't do anything improper poor dandy and dear flirt i'm sure they'd like it perhaps mr palliser doesn't care for that i can tell you something else he doesn't care for he doesn't care whether dandy's mistress likes it don't say that glencora why not say it to you don't teach yourself to think it that's what i mean i believe he would consent to anything that he didn't think wrong such as lectures about the british constitution but never mind about that alice of course the british constitution is everything to him and i wish i knew more about it that's all but i haven't told you who you are to meet at dinner yes you have mr bott but there's another guest a mrs marsham i thought i'd got rid of her for to-day when i wrote to you but i hadn't she's coming she won't hurt me at all said alice she will hurt me very much she'll destroy the pleasure of our whole evening i do believe that she hates you and that she thinks you instigate me to all manner of iniquity what fools they all are who are they all glencora she and that man and never mind it makes me sick when i think that they should be so blind alice i hardly know how much i owe to you i don't indeed everything i believe lady glencora as she spoke put her hand into her pocket and grasped the letter which lay there that's nonsense said alice 
no it's not nonsense who do you think came to matching when i was there what to the house said alice feeling almost certain that mr fitzgerald was the person to whom lady glencora was alluding no not to the house if it is the person of whom i am thinking said alice solemnly let me implore you not to speak of him and why should i not speak of him did i not speak of him before to you and was it not for good how are you to be my friend if i may not speak to you of everything but you should not think of him what nonsense you talk alice not think of him how is one to help one's thoughts look here her hand was on the letter and it would have been out in a moment and thrown upon alice's lap had not the servant opened the door and announced mrs marsham oh how i do wish we had gone to drive said lady glencora in a voice which the servant certainly heard and which mrs marsham would have heard had she not been a little hard of hearing in her bonnet how do my dear said mrs marsham i thought i'd just come across from norfolk street and see you though i am coming to dinner in the evening it's only just a step you know how do you do miss vavasor and she made a salutation to alice which was nearly as cold as it could be mrs marsham was a woman who had many good points she was poor and bore her poverty without complaint she was connected by blood and friendship with people rich and titled but she paid to none of them egregious respect on account of their wealth or titles she was staunch in her friendships and staunch in her enmities she was no fool and knew well what was going on in the world she could talk about the last novel or if need be about the constitution she had been a true wife though sometimes too strong-minded and a painstaking mother whose children however had never loved her as most mothers like to be loved the catalogue of her faults must be quite as long as that of her virtues she was one of those women who are ambitious of power and not very scrupulous as to the manner in which they obtain it she was hard-hearted and capable of pursuing an object without much regard to the injury she might do she would not flatter wealth or fawn before a title but she was not above any artifice by which she might ingratiate herself with those whom it suited her purpose to conciliate she thought evil rather than good she was herself untrue in action if not absolutely in word i do not say that she would coin lies but she would willingly leave false impressions she had been the bosom friend and in many things the guide in life of mr palliser's mother and she took a special interest in mr palliser's welfare when he married she heard the story of the loves of burgo and lady Lencora and though she thought well of the money she was not disposed to think very well of the bride she made up her mind that the young lady would want watching and she was of opinion that no one would be so well able to watch lady glencora as herself she had not plainly opened her mind on this matter to mr palliser she had not made any distinct suggestion to him that she would act as argus to his wife mr palliser would have rejected any such suggestion and mrs marsham knew that he would do so 
but she had let a word or two drop hinting that lady glencora was very young hinting that lady glencora's manners were charming in their childlike simplicity but hinting also that precaution was for that reason the more necessary mr palliser who suspected nothing as to burgo or as to any other special peril whose whole disposition was void of suspicion whose dry nature realized neither the delights nor the dangers of love acknowledged that glencora was young he especially wished that she should be discreet and matronly he feared no lovers but he feared that she might do silly things that she would catch cold and not know how to live a life becoming the wife of a chancellor of the exchequer therefore he submitted glencora and to a certain extent himself into the hands of mrs marsham lady glencora had not been twenty-four hours in the house with this lady before she recognized in her a duenna in all such matters no one could be quicker than lady glencora she might be very ignorant about the british constitution and alas very ignorant also as to the real elements of right and wrong in a woman's conduct but she was no fool she had an eye that could see and an ear that could understand and an abundance of that feminine instinct which teaches a woman to know her friend or her enemy at a glance at a touch at a word in many things lady glencora was much quicker much more clever than her husband though he was to be chancellor of the exchequer and though she did know nothing of the constitution she knew too that he was easily to be deceived that though his intelligence was keen his instincts were dull that he was gifted with no fineness of touch with no subtle appreciation of the characters of men and women and to a certain extent she looked down upon him for his obtusity he should have been aware that burgo was a danger to be avoided and he should have been aware also that mrs marsham was a duenna not to be employed when a woman knows that she is guarded by a watch-dog she is bound to deceive her cerberus if it be possible and is usually not ill-disposed to deceive also the owner of cerberus lady glencora felt that mrs marsham was her cerberus and she was heartily resolved that if she was to be kept in the proper line at all she would not be so kept by mrs marsham alice rose and accepted mrs marsham's salutation quite as coldly as it had been given and from that time forward those two ladies were enemies mrs marsham groping quite in the dark partly guessed that alice had in some way interfered to prevent lady glencora's visit to monkshade and though such prevention was no doubt good in that lady's eyes she resented the interference she had made up her mind that alice was not the sort of friend that lady glencora should have about her alice recognized and accepted the feud i thought i might find you at home said mrs marsham as i know you are lazy about going out in the cold unless it be for a foolish midnight ramble and mrs marsham shook her head she was a little woman with sharp small eyes with a permanent color in her face and two short crisp gray curls at each side of her face always well dressed always in good health 
and as lady glencora believed altogether incapable of fatigue the ramble you speak of was very wise i think said lady glencora but i never could see the use of driving about in london in the middle of winter one ought to go out of the house every day said mrs marsham i hate all those rules don't you alice alice did not hate them therefore she said nothing my dear glencora one must live by rules in this life you might as well say that you hated sitting down to dinner so i do very often almost always when there's company you'll get over that feeling after another season in town said mrs marsham pretending to suppose that lady glencora alluded to some remaining timidity in receiving her own guests upon my word i don't think i shall it's a thing that seems always to be getting more grievous instead of less so mr bott is coming to dine here to-night there was no mistaking the meaning of this there was no pretending even to mistake it now mrs marsham had accepted the right hand of fellowship from mr bott not because she especially liked him but in compliance with the apparent necessities of mr palliser's position mr bott had made good his ground about mr palliser and mrs marsham as she was not strong enough to turn him off from it had given him the right hand of fellowship mr bott is a member of parliament and a very serviceable friend of mr palliser's said mrs marsham all the same we do not like mr bott do we alice he is dr fell to us only i think we could tell why i certainly do not like him said alice it can be but of small matter to you miss vavasor said mrs marsham as you will not probably have to see much of him of the very smallest moment said alice he did annoy me once but will never i dare say have an opportunity of doing so again i don't know what the annoyance may have been of course you don't mrs marsham but i shouldn't have thought it likely that a person so fully employed as mr bott and employed too on matters of such vast importance would have gone out of his way to annoy a young lady whom he chanced to meet for a day or two in a country house i don't think that alice means that he attempted to flirt with her said lady glencora laughing fancy mr bott flirtation perhaps he did not attempt said mrs marsham and the words the tone and the innuendo together were more than alice was able to bear with equanimity glencora said she rising from her chair i think i'll leave you alone with mrs marsham i'm not disposed to discuss mr bott's character and certainly not to hear his name mentioned in disagreeable connection with my own but lady glencora would not let her go nonsense alice she said if you and i can't fight our little battles against mr bott and mrs marsham without running away it is odd there is a warfare in which they who run away never live to fight another day i hope glencora you do not count me as your enemy said mrs marsham drawing herself up but i shall certainly if you attack alice love me love my dog i beg your pardon alice 
but what i mean was this mrs marsham love me love the best friend i have in the world i did not mean to offend miss vavasor said mrs marsham looking at her very grimly alice merely bowed her head she had been offended and she would not deny it after that mrs marsham took herself off saying that she would be back to dinner she was angry but not unhappy she thought that she could put down miss vavasor and she was prepared to bear a good deal from lady glencora for mr palliser's sake as she said to herself with some attempt at a sentimental remembrance of her old friend she's a nasty old cat said lady glencora as soon as the door was closed and she said these words with so droll a voice with such a childlike shaking of her head with so much comedy in her grimace that alice could not but laugh she is said lady glencora i know her and you'll have to know her too before you've done with her it won't at all do for you to run away when she spits at you you must hold your ground and show your claws and make her know that if she spits you can scratch but i don't want to be a cat myself she'll find i'm of the genus but of the tiger kind if she persecutes me alice there's one thing i have made up my mind about i will not be persecuted if my husband tells me to do anything as long as he is my husband i'll do it but i won't be persecuted you should remember that she was a very old friend of mr palliser's mother i do remember and that may be a very good reason why she should come here occasionally or go to matching or to any place in which we may be living it's a bore of course but it's a natural bore and one that ought to be borne and that will be the beginning and the end of it i'm afraid not my dear it may perhaps be the end of it but i fear it won't be the beginning i won't be persecuted if she gives me advice i shall tell her to her face that it's not wanted and if she insults any friend of mine as she did you i shall tell her that she had better stay away she'll go and tell him of course but i can't help that i've made up my mind that i won't be persecuted after that lady glencora felt no further inclination to show burgo's letter to alice on that occasion they sat over the drawing-room fire talking chiefly of alice's affairs till it was time for them to dress but alice though she spoke much of mr gray said no word as to her engagement with george vavasor how could she speak of it inasmuch as she had already resolved already almost resolved that that engagement also should be broken alice when she came down to the drawing-room before dinner found mr bott there alone she had dressed more quickly than her friend and mr palliser had not yet made his appearance i did not expect the pleasure of meeting miss vavasor to-day he said as he came up offering his hand she gave him her hand and then sat down merely muttering some word of reply we spent a very pleasant month down at matching together didn't you think so i spent a pleasant month there certainly you left if i remember the morning after that late walk out among the ruins that was unfortunate was it not poor lady glencora 
it made her very ill so much so that she could not go to monkshade as she particularly wished it was very sad lady glencora is very delicate very delicate indeed we who have the privilege of being near her ought always to remember that i don't think she is at all delicate oh don't you i'm afraid that's your mistake miss vavasor i believe she has very good health which is the greatest blessing in the world by delicate i suppose you mean weak and infirm oh dear no not in the least not infirm certainly i should be very sorry to be supposed to have said that lady glencora is infirm what i mean is not robust miss vavasor her general organization if you understand me is exquisitely delicate one can see that i think in every glance of her eye alice was going to protest that she had never seen it at all when mr palliser entered the room along with mrs marsham the two gentlemen shook hands and then mr palliser turned to alice she perceived at once by his face that she was unwelcome and wished herself away from his house it might be all very well for lady glencora to fight with mrs marsham and with her husband too in regard to the marsham persecution but there could be no reason why she should do so he just touched her hand barely closing his thumb upon her fingers and asked her how she was then he turned away from her side of the fire and began talking to mrs marsham on the other there was that in his face and in his manner which was positively offensive to her he made no allusion to his former acquaintance with her spoke no word about matching no word about his wife as he would naturally have done to his wife's friend alice felt the blood mount into her face and regretted greatly that she had ever come among these people had she not long since made up her mind that she would avoid her great relations and did not all this prove that it would have been well for her to have clung to that resolution what was lady glencora to her that she should submit herself to be treated as though she were a poor companion a dependent who received a salary for her attendance an indigent cousin hanging on to the bounty of her rich connection alice was proud to a fault she had nursed her pride till it was very faulty all her troubles and sorrows in life had come from an overfed craving for independence why then should she submit to be treated with open want of courtesy by any man but of all men why should she submit to it from such a one as mr palliser the heir of a ducal house rolling in wealth and magnificent with all the magnificence of british pomp and pride no she would make lady glencora understand that the close intimacies of daily life were not possible to them i declare i'm very much ashamed said lady glencora as she entered the room i shan't apologize to you alice for it was you who kept me talking but i do beg mrs marsham's pardon mrs marsham was all smiles and forgiveness and hoped that lady glencora would not make a stranger of her then dinner was announced and alice had to walk downstairs by herself she did not care a doit for that but there had been a disagreeable little contest when the moment came 
Lady Glencora had wished to give up Mr. Bott to her cousin, but Mr. Bott had stuck manfully to Lady Glencora's side. He hoped to take Lady Glencora down to dinner very often, and was not at all disposed to abate his privilege. During dinner-time Alice said very little, nor was there given to her opportunity of saying much. She could not but think of the day of her first arrival at Matching Priory, when she had sat between the Duke of St. Bungay and Geoffrey Palliser, and when everybody had been so civil to her. She now occupied one side of the table by herself, away from the fire, where she felt cold and desolate in the gloom of the large half-lighted room. Mr. Palliser occupied himself with Mrs. Marsham, who talked politics to him, and Mr. Bott never lost a moment in his endeavours to say some civil word to Lady Glencora. Lady Glencora gave him no encouragement, but she hardly dared to snub him openly in her husband's immediate presence. Twenty times during dinner she said some little word to Alice, attempting at first to make the time pleasant, and then when the matter was too far gone for that, attempting to give some relief but it was of no avail. There are moments in which conversation seems to be impossible, in which the very gods interfered to put a seal upon the lips of the unfortunate one. It was such a moment now with Alice. She had never as yet been used to snubbing. Whatever position she had hitherto held, in that she had always stood foremost, much more so than had been good for her. When she had gone to matching, she had trembled for her position, but there all had gone well with her, there Lady Glencora's kindness had at first been able to secure for her a reception that had been flattering, and almost better than flattering. Geoffrey Palliser had been her friend, and would, had she so willed it, have been more than her friend, but now she felt that the halls of the Pallisers were too cold for her, and that the sooner she escaped from their gloom and hard discourtesy, the better for her. Mrs. Marsham, when the three ladies had returned to the drawing-room together, was a little triumphant. She felt that she had put Alice down, and with the energetic prudence of a good general who knows that he should follow up a victory, let the cost of doing so be what it may, she determined to keep her down. Alice had resolved that she would come as seldom as might be to Mr. Palliser's house in Park Lane that resolution on her part was in close accordance with mrs marsham's own views is miss vavasor going to walk home she asked walk home all along oxford street good gracious no why should she walk the carriage will take her or a cab said alice i am quite used to go about london in a cab by myself "'I don't think they are nice for young ladies after dark,' said Mrs. Marsham. "'I was going to offer my servant to walk with her. "'She is an elderly woman and would not mind it.' "'I'm sure Alice is very much obliged,' said Lady Glencora, "'but she will have the carriage.' "'You are very good-natured,' said Mrs. Marsham, "'but gentlemen do so dislike having their horses out at night.' "'No gentleman's horses will be out,' said Lady Glencora savagely. "'And as for mine, it's what they're there for. "'It was not often that Lady Glencora made any allusion to her own property, 
or allowed anyone near her to suppose that she remembered the fact that her husband's great wealth was in truth her wealth as to many matters her mind was wrong in some things her taste was not delicate as should be that of a woman but as regarded her money no woman could have behaved with greater reticence or a purer delicacy but now when she was twitted by her husband's special friend with ill usage to her husband's horses because she chose to send her own friend home in her own carriage she did find it hard to bear i dare say it's all right said mrs marsham it is all right said lady glencora mr palliser has given me my horses for my own use to do as i like with them and if he thinks i take them out when they ought to be left at home he can tell me so nobody else has a right to do it lady glencora by this time was almost in a passion and showed that she was so my dear lady glencora you have mistaken me said mrs marsham i did not mean anything of that kind i am so sorry said alice and it is such a pity as i am quite used to going about in cabs of course you are said lady glencora why shouldn't you i'd go home in a wheelbarrow if i couldn't walk and had no other conveyance that's not the question mrs marsham understands that upon my word i don't understand anything said that lady i understand this said lady glencora that in all such matters as that i intend to follow my own pleasure come alice let us have some coffee and she rang the bell what a fuss we have made about a stupid old carriage the gentlemen did not return to the drawing-room that evening having no doubt joint work to do in arranging the great financial calculations of the nation and at an early hour alice was taken home in lady glencora's brougham leaving her cousin still in the hands of mrs marsham end of chapter forty three reading by mary rody in willow alaska